Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by legendary business coach, Martin Holland. Martin's been working with business owners for over 40 years. He's guided over 300 businesses to gain an advantage, increase profit, and make smarter business decisions through learning financial information. His new book, The Profit Problem, is the small business owner's manual to become fluent in financial statements without needing to become an accountant, bookkeeper, or hire a CFO. Martin, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. So I am a huge fan of yours. I absolutely loved your book. I've got it dog-eared, highlighted, marked oh, up. Oh, man. Um, that means you actually read it. I did read it. It inspired <laughs> me to actually go get some other financial books. Uh, inspired me to actually learn our QuickBooks accounting software that I've never used. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually enjoying the process. So I just wanted to say before we start, thank you so much for the book. Well, thank you for that feedback, really. So let's get started. Let's go back in time. How do, I know you haven't always been the expert that you are. How did you get started? Well, I started uh, back in 1974. What I tell the young guys I work with when we talk technology, as I said, when I started working, we didn't have copiers. And that's true. So we've, things have changed a little bit. Just a little bit. But um, I graduated from college with a biology degree, did not want to be a doctor. So I started driving a truck. At grain elevators, if you're familiar with those, I think some people are, a lot aren't. Yeah. But basically, corn, wheat, milo, and soybeans. Paid attention to commodities markets. Uh, pay, started to pay attention to bookkeeping and accounting. And one day, I showed up at work, and they told me they had fired a manager at another location, and I needed to go over and unlock the doors. And uh, I left there eight years later. So that's how I started in business serendipitously. Yes, congratulations. And obviously the longer version of the story is in your books. So let's talk about why there is a profit problem in the first place. They say I make money. How come I don't have any? How does that happen? Well, it's interesting that you say that because I subtitled the book, They Say I Make Money, So Why Don't We Have Any? My publisher, <laughs> my, my publisher actually kind of pushed back. They said, oh, no, it needs to be shorter. And I said, no, it needs to be exactly that. Because having worked with over 320 companies, that people are surprised. They say, well, my accountant told me I made money, but I don't have any. And the short answer to that specific question is, if you make money, but you don't have any, there are only three possible reasons. One is you haven't been paid yet. 
Two is you already spent the money buying assets or repaying debt. Or the third reason is you, the owner, took it as draws. So the reason it's useful to understand that is because if you understand what the problem is, you're in a position to do something about it. If you're just getting up in the morning and wailing and suffering uh, through another day, then you're, you're really rendering yourself helpless to do anything. All right. So you talked about the three reasons why. Why do you think business owners don't know about this type of thing? Like it was like reading, it was like learning a new language to me. And I own a financial services business and we never covered any of that in school. Well, I, I make the point in my book, uh, I got very involved and very interested in it because I make a, an, a, a metaphor analogy of Saul right, uh, arriving in Damascus and the scales fell from his eyes. I was blind, but now I can see. Bookkeeping in its current form has been around for 800 years and it's unchanged. And the reason is it answers the problems that merchants and business people have had since merchants and business began. And right up front, they answer five questions, meaning financial statements answer five questions. Am I making money? What do I own? What do I owe? What's left over for me? And where did my cash go? Okay, so as to your question, they're universally needed. They're unchanged since time began or since business began. Why don't people know about it? Well, my answer, and I like to assuage people's feelings, really, is why would you know about it? There are four areas of business. There's guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business and administering the business. And every business deals with those four areas of business. Most business owners are good at one of those four. And that one is doing the business. I'm a doctor, I'm a retailer, I'm a welder, I'm a manufacturer, whatever the it is. Deliverer of the thing. Just like Deliverer of the things. Yeah. That's why I'm interested. That's why I started my business. Never even heard of financial statements. People are aware that they exist generally in my experience, but it's just some voodoo over there that your bank wants or you give it to your tax accountant to keep you out of trouble. Well, books have their use of rearward looking. Uh, in other words, to report to your bank how you did, to tell the IRS how much you owe. So they are good and useful and necessary to look backwards. But my point in this book is the highest and best use of business information, of bookkeeping information, is to make management decisions about the future. And most people are not even aware this, in my experience, I say most people are not even aware that you can use books for that purpose. And it's a shame because it's the most liberating. You'll act on information rather than just gut instinct. So can you give us an example of that, of how we can use them to make future-based decisions? Well, here's, here's the simplest and most basic. I ask most businesses I begin to work with, what is your break even? In other words, how much do you have to sell to pay all your expenses and then begin to make a profit? And they will universally tell me the total of their expenses. So if I had a million dollars worth of expenses, they'll say, well, a million dollars. Well, that's not the right answer. Matter of fact, it's not even close. It could be for certain very exceptional businesses, but that's not the right answer. And everybody needs to know when they break even and Here's why. Uh, the example I give in the book, you have a monthly break even. How much do you have to sell every month to begin making a profit? You have to know when that, how much that is and when that happens in your business. Because if you don't break even until the 29th of the month, you better not go fishing on the 30th. Or you've missed your only opportunity to actually make money before all those monthly bills reset. 
And so that, that is the most fundamental information that you can get from managerial using your books as a manager is to understand break you, but it, it just informs all kinds of decisions, the effect of price changes, whether or not you should buy equipment, whether or not you should hire people, how much you can afford to pay a salesman. And that's just working with information that comes from the income statement. Now, you talk in the book about how you could increase your sales, in your example, 17% and double your profits. How does that math work? Yeah. Well, that's why you got to read the book. That is not <laughs> obvious. I mean, it's a, it's a bit much to just explain it. But what it means is if you work 29 days of the month just to hit break even, you've made zero profit. Okay. The next day you make $100. Well, you, there's no multiple of zero. Let's say you work 29 days, you make a penny and you work the next day and you make $100. That's 10,000% increase in your, if I got my math right, yeah, zeros, right? Close enough. <laughs> anyway, close enough. And so that's one of the indications. And it works out that the, there are 30.2 million businesses in the United States. And I'm going to talk about the average, but most of them make 7%. The average is 7% net profit on sales dollars. So if you sell a million, you'll make $70,000. That's average. I mean, it's average and it's almost a median average. It's uncanny how many businesses that's true. Well, if you hit break even, it doesn't take very much more, takes 17% more to double that 7% profit. And there's another example in there that you might've hit on the average business in the United States, if they can get their margins up, 1% of sales, gross profit margins up 1% of sales, their net profit will go up 14.5%. That's another gee whiz thing that, that when people see that, they say, well, how's that work? How did you know that? And it provides incentive to get 1% better. That is absolutely fascinating because if we said normally, hey, what would it take for you to double your profit? I would guess that the average business owner would answer, well, I got to double my sales. Absolutely. But or, double, really... or double their effort and, and but, sales. Right. But the fact that, hey, if all I had to do was up 17% and that doubles my profit, we could probably much easier get our heads around, oh, right. 17%, I do that, you know, a percent and a half a month or something and I'm fine. Absolutely. Now, how do you use this type of information? Because you gave some examples in the book about how people historically have set prices and why that's wrong. Well, that's a lot to go into too. I'm glad you brought that up. There are over 40 examples of real people I've worked with using this information. So it makes it a little, little easier. Most people allow their competition to set their prices. And I, I've got news for people. If they didn't know this already, your competition doesn't necessarily have your best interests at heart. <laughs> so uh, an example of, you have to understand what breakeven is and how much you have to sell to make a profit uh, and make a target profit. And go for that. And you have to have the confidence and the courage to do that. Otherwise you're wasting your time and you're burning your resources. And an example that I use in the book, the average business that I deal with, if they raise their prices 10%, which most are very resistant to doing, they can lose 22% of their business before it affects the profitability at all. Now I use that as an example with my clients to give them the courage to raise prices. But what generally happens when we raise prices is that you don't lose any business. Uh, and that's, of course, if you're paying attention to some of the other fundamentals of business, such as uh, giving people a reason other than price to buy from you. But anyway, it gives them that gives them that courage. The flip side of that is the average business. Again, if you discount your prices 20%, which is a common marketing 
ploy is to just run a special and discount things. If you discount your prices 20%, you have to sell 133% more just to stay the same. So double plus a third more just to stay the same. And when you realize that I'm working two and a third times more for the same as I had before, maybe I'll figure out something else to do besides run a discount promotion. What are some of the mis biggest mistakes you see? I mean, you've coached hundreds and hundreds of businesses. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see them making? In general? <laughs> I mean, when it comes to this. Yeah. Well, they are absolutely ignorant of it. And ignorant is not a pejorative. It just means I don't know. And they're loath to get on it because as I tell people, if I'm speaking before groups and I, and I headline myself as I'm going to talk about bookkeeping, the people who show up in the room, they have their phones down below the desk and they're texting and things like that. And then I lay a few of the items on them like we just did. Hey, did you know I'm 1% better, 14.5% higher profit? Their hands come out from out behind the desk and they start looking at me and they say, what? I say, did you know the average company 17% increase in sales, double your net profit? Well, wait a minute, how do you figure that? And then they get interested. So know why the world doesn't, I went and got an MBA degree. You said you'd never heard of this, even though you're in financial. I went and got an MBA degree. Never, I mean, I love my old professors. A lot of them are still friends, but I said, hey guys, none of the businesses I need need statistics, microeconomics, macroeconomics, bond pricing, time value of money, MIS. We don't need that stuff. I never heard a word about breaking. I never heard a word about how to understand the cash statement of cash flows. Never heard a word about forecasting cash requirements using a balance sheet, or which, which are all in the book. These are all important things that the average person can do, the average business owner can do. And I'd like to just reaffirm what you said earlier. You do not have to be a bookkeeper. You don't have to know the rules. You don't have to be an accountant. You need to recognize good books, insist on them in their business, and then learn how to use them to make better decisions. And it, it'll change your life. You talk in the book about the difference between cash and accrual accounting and right. the ginormous, enormous impact it can have and the clarity one versus the other can give you. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's a really important point. And that's another one. If we headline this thing as cash versus accrual accounting, I wonder how many listeners we'd get. But what I find all the time, and particularly in manufacturing, contracting, and, and some businesses like that, service providers, is that one day that one month they look at their books and they're making $100,000 for the year. Next month they look at the books and that 100 has disappeared and they're losing 75,000. Then they look again and they're up 250. Then they look again and, and pretty soon they just quit looking. Well, two of the fundamental things that, that people need to understand about books, they don't need to know how to do it, but they need to understand what they are, is cash base, basis accounting. And the other issue is matching. Cash basis versus accrual basis accounting. And a cash basis accounting, that's like looking in your bank statement, in your bank app. You don't count a transaction until it's either it's been settled in payment. Either you got paid or you paid somebody. Problem with that is if you have accounts receivable and you sold somebody something on account, it doesn't show up in your books. Same thing if you bought something on, your, on a credit card or bought something from a supplier, it doesn't show up in the books. And so at any given time, most businesses, if they just looked at their cash, their bank statement, would have no idea the answer to those five critical questions of, did I make money? What do I own? What do I owe? What's left over for me? And where did my cash go? They don't know. Accrual accounting accounts for everything when it happens, whether or not it's been settled. And that is the correct and proper way to keep your books. And you just need to know that as a business owner. 
The other issue that I mentioned that comes up all the time is, is matching. Matching means that you have to record expenses in the same period as the related income. What's that mean? That means that if you're a paving contractor and you go out and spend a million dollars on expenses this month, and then you invoice your customer the next month, this month's going to look really bad. Next month's going to look really good. And pretty soon you're going to start going crazy. So again, that's not something the average business owner is going to do, but they need to understand what that is and make sure that their accountant and bookkeeper do it properly. Absolutely. Who is, what type of businesses are ideal clients for you? Well, the name of my business is Anil Business Coaching, A-N-N-E-A-L. And annealing is an industrial process, which heat treats glass and other materials to reduce stress and increase strength. The reason I'm named Anil is because for a long time, my target market was contractors, builders, uh, manufacturers, and more or less industrial. I have since uh, wound up, I have psychiatrists as a client. I've got restaurants. I've got every kind of uh, business. So the ideal client for me is someone who is ready to do the work. In other words, they're not going to put up with squeaking by and suffering. So it really, it really is that an ideal customer is somebody who is in business and is, is ready to go to the next level. And they're just not going to, going to uh, tolerate the status quo anymore. Awesome. And for our viewers and our listeners who want to learn more about you, what it is that you do and where they can go to get the book, where are the best places to send them? For the book is Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any place like that. It's the profit problem. They say I make money. So why don't I have any? Have a website titled www.theprofitproblem.com. My coaching website is www.annealbc.com, BC being business coaching. And I welcome comments, welcome people to schedule a time with me. I'm happy to answer questions. It's not dependent on you becoming a a uh, client of mine. My real mission, which we didn't talk about, but my real mission in life, I'm 68 years old, been around a long time, is to eliminate suffering in small business. Wow. And, That's and a big, that, hairy, audacious goal. Well, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get it done, but I'm going to do it one at a time. And my real goal is to get this book out. That's what it took two years to write. People didn't know it. It can change your life if you're willing to read it and do it. Awesome. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Martin Holland of AnealBC.com and The Profit Problem. They say I make money, so why don't I have any? Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.